0: Welcome back to The Drive Home with Timothy. My name is Dustin. I've got Timothy alongside me here, and we're very pleased to have you back for another edition of The Drive Home. Uh, With Timothy, sorry. sorry. Um, We're we're on week two of Timothy's music that he worked so hard on, and he got a lot of kudos this week on Twitter. So we appreciate those of you who reached out to him and let him know what a great job he did. Um, He doesn't succeed very often, so when he does, we want to reward him as much as possible and try to steer him that direction with the carrot. Um, And uh, so we're working on some other things. Uh, Timothy and I, we've got, we've got a couple other projects in the works for you. I don't want to be too cryptic, but I don't want to give anything away in case we change some plans, but hopefully in the very near future, we're going to, we're, we have some other things coming to you for your uh, entertainment pleasure. And pleasure feels like the wrong word there, but uh, hopefully for some entertainment. Anyway, um, we're also looking at other avenues for delivering this show, some that might be either more entertaining or more easier or more easier, more of the easiest to find and enjoy and share. And so um, YouTube is one of those that we're exploring. We've had a surprising number of people really curious, curious about Timothy and what he actually looks like. So, so he and I have discussed it I'm sort of in negotiations with him about what, how, how much exposure he's willing to, uh, um, sort of submit himself to. He's very shy by nature, which is why you haven't heard his voice. But, um, if we figure out a way to put this on camera, then we'll, um, we'll find a way to sneak Timothy in there, um, whether he's aware of it or not, so that we can at least prove to you that he's not a figment of my imagination. Um... So we'll let you know if and when um, we change the format of the show, or if we have other projects coming out, we'll let you know where to find those as well. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit today about. No, they know about Twitter. Oh, okay, uh, Timothy wants you to find him. Well, it's both of it's both of us. It's Aric. Okay, find Timothy on Twitter. Jeez, at the drive home one and um, and interact with them there, however you want. Um, any other announcements? Okay. Okay, so I want to talk today a little bit about some of the confusion surrounding the coronavirus. And um, we're not going to do that show that's been done. In fact, we've even done sort of a micro version of it within another show about like, what do you believe is it serious? Is it not serious? Um, I'm not interested for the purposes of this conversation in getting into just how serious the disease is. But I will say we, we have a problem with it in that you have experts on both sides of the issue. Um, it's, it's kind of bizarre that there are even sides, but there are some experts who believe that this virus is very, very serious and that the death toll could rise up to as high as 3%, I think is the highest number I've seen recently. Um, You know, a couple months ago, the World Health Organization was saying up to 7%. Um, And then you have other experts on the other side who believe and are telling people that the the virus is less dangerous than the flu and that we're actually causing harm to our immune systems, our society, our sort of, uh, you know, social networks or social process, and of course, the economy. And the economy, that's not debatable at all. Um, the economy is tanking, and we might be headed for what some economists are calling a Great Depression. So, man, we're starting off rough for this episode. Um, so there's a lot of confusion. And the problem is that the experts on all sides seem to be equally credible. Right? They all can give pretty good reasons to back up what they're saying. And it's really difficult to know exactly what to believe. So... Um, Again, we're not going to talk about how to discern the truth from all of that right now. I'm not going to tell you where I believe the truth lies in all of this. But it is interesting that the that the ideas around this virus seem to be divided along political lines. This is largely a democratic virus where if you, if at least in the U.S., if you lean more left politically, it's more likely that you believe this virus is a very big, serious deal and that we need to react accordingly. If you lean more conservative, then you probably think... That it's less of a big deal, and that we need to be a whole lot less careful, and that's really interesting. And I don't, I don't know if maybe it's maybe there's like a secondary reason because I know that people, <clears throat> excuse me, historically, in, not even historically, in in modern day, in the big cities you tend to have more liberal uh, ideas, and out in the country, it's more conservative. So maybe. People in big cities are just more concerned about the virus because they're in big cities and it can spread more quickly. Or maybe it's because uh, your political leaders or heroes of choice or whoever it is that you, wherever it is that you get your political uh, news or, or sort of your political leanings, whoever your influences are, influencers are that way, maybe um, you sort of fall in line whether you mean to or not with whatever they say. Which is a much, I think, more dangerous um, approach. It gives the polit- politicians a lot more authority than they're probably worth. But all of that is sort of set up for this situation. So, with a lot of uncertainty around the virus, these, there are a lot of businesses who are trying to figure out a way to keep operating so that they don't go under. And it's really difficult to know okay, if we're going to open, you're going to open a store. Are you going to open it with restrictions or no restrictions? Are you going to enforce people standing six feet apart or not? Um, Costco has gone the route of requiring masks for people. Walmart has gone the route of basically nothing. I mean, you wear a mask into Walmart, people will be like, what are you doing with that science in here? You think you're better than me? And they're probably going to escort. There's a shuttle that Walmart runs from Walmart to Costco. Like, if you wear a mask, you go to Costco. If you don't wear a mask, you come here. Um... Anyway, what were we talking about? <laughs> the number of times on this show that I get myself down a cul-de-sac and then I have to look at Timothy and say, what were we talking about? And I just get this blank stare and a shrug because I know he wasn't even listening. Um, so the point is there's a lot of confusion into whether, or about whether to uh, open up businesses and how to actually open them up. And this is more apparent in more public businesses such as sports and one of them we're seeing right now is major league baseball baseball should already be in the process of being played right now were it not for this pandemic and so there's a there's a, a plan that baseball is working on they're trying to bring all all sides together the owners of the teams the league itself the players the the staff they're trying to get every, they're trying to make a deal that is agreeable to everybody which will involve probably playing baseball without fans for a while. And this might extend to other sports as well. So in the middle of all this process, there's a guy named Blake Snell. And Blake Snell is a pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays, and uh, he's a pretty good pitcher. In fact, he's an award-winning pitcher, so it's not like he's just some little nobody speaking out of turn. But a couple months ago in March, he was interviewed about the virus and whether it was going to affect... the the baseball season, and he basically said, I appreciate everybody trying to keep us safe, but I don't think this virus is very serious. And the quote that he gave was, if I get it, I get it. And he he wasn't concerned about it at all. So fast forward a couple of months after, so now in May, while all these negotiations are going on, one of the things that's happening is the baseball owners are going to the players and saying, listen, we need you to take a giant pay cut because we're not going to have fans at the games, which means we're going to make less money. And if we're making less money, we need you to help us out. You've got to make less money as well. And Blake Snell stands up and says, no, I'm not doing that. They've already taken, they already agreed to a pay cut a couple months ago when they were in this process. And now the owners are asking for more. And he said, no. Um, And one of the things he said in defending his answer of no was, I'm out here risking my life. And people, there were a bunch of people who jumped in like, whoa, 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 whoa. A couple months ago, you said this was not risking your life. This virus was nothing. It was, if I get it, I get it. Now you're saying you need more money because you're risking your life. seems like a pretty self-serving uh, little flippity-flop you did there where you believed one thing. Now you believe another. Conveniently, it's going to give you, it's giving you the ability to defend your position of wanting more money. Now, he got, he's, he got criticism from uh, both sides the owners of course criticized him saying you're being selfish and interestingly a lot of the players and former players have given the same criticism where they're basically telling him you should take less money and and quit flip-flopping on this here's the point i don't know where the line is between changing your mind and flip-flopping but we got to quit getting after people for changing their mind uh, changing your mind I would hope at some point in your life you changed your mind and it should be celebrated right You've got, I guarantee you have friends who went from one side politically to the other or left both sides or went from the middle to one extreme but it takes guts to change your mind to look your views square in the face and be like maybe you're wrong And I've said before, I think that if you don't, if you're not willing to question what you believe, then maybe you don't really believe it. Maybe you're just nervous to look at it with any kind of scrutiny because you think maybe it's not going to stand up to whatever scrutiny you give it. So to those who have the guts to look at their own view, and I'm not saying this is Blake's now, maybe it is a self-serving comment, you know, maybe he's just trying to get more money and if it is more power to him, fine, it doesn't hurt anybody but um people who people have the who have the guts to look at their views, reevaluate and change their mind should not be criticized for that a- and they routinely are and this is especially seen in politics because politicians are criticized for everything, and that i I'm on board with that because you open yourself up to a lot of scrutiny when you try to run other people's lives but Um, You may remember, you probably remember, a gentleman by the name of Barack Obama. If you don't, he was the 40-something president of the U.S. What was he, like 43? I think it was... Okay, look it up. 43, probably. Um, Barack Obama was the president. When he came into office, he was anti-gay marriage. This is back when gay marriage was still a hot-button issue before it became virtually legal everywhere. And... um, It was a big deal because he was a Democrat. Most Democrats were in favor of gay marriage, and he was not. Um, About halfway through his service, he switched and said, you know what, I see it differently now. Um, I am in favor of gay marriage. And everybody said, well, that's just a political move. And it it probably was, because when you're a politician, everything is a political move. But also, wouldn't you hope that somebody, the type of person that you would put in the oval office is the type of person who learns from big experiences. Wouldn't you hope that whoever you elect after 4 or 8 years walks out of the oval office a very different person from how they went in? How tragic would it be if you educated some or if you elected somebody so set in their ways and closed-minded that they finished that whole experience out and didn't learn anything? Um and and the the funny thing with this was Obama was criticized by the people who opposed gay marriage, and that was expected. But he was also uh, criticized by the people who supported gay marriage. They basically said, well, finally, you should have been over here on my side the whole time. What took you so long? Instead of saying, welcome, brother, we're glad to have you. Right? And there's a long, there's a a sort of a long tradition of uh, presidents changing their mind on things. Abraham Lincoln, I talk about him a lot because he... He was just tall and he had a big hat. He was just interesting to talk about. Um, but he ran as the president who would not interfere in states' affairs. He he specifically said, I will not meddle in states' affairs. He said, I will not use federal troops in states' affairs. And he said he basically said, any president who uses federal federal troops to uh, try to resolve a state issue is evil. And then, what was it, like three years after he was elected, um, it became the federal government versus the states. If he had not changed his mind as new uh, information presented itself, then the Civil War might not have happened. If it did, it wouldn't have happened under him. Um, who knows what that would have meant for slavery? Slavery was probably destined to fail anyway uh, thank goodness human nature fin- or human goodness finally won out but everything would have looked different so y- y- it 's unfair to support Lincoln for heroically ending slavery in the Civil War which, if that 's even what the Civil War did I mean i don 't want to i don 't want to split hairs here but Lincoln himself, was probably a bit of a racist, which, I mean, he lived in the 18, 1800s. Find me somebody in the 1800s who wasn't racist. But um, he wasn't just trying to emancipate the blacks and leave them alone. He publicly said he wanted to send them all back to Africa. He's like, they don't belong here, which, I don't know, maybe Lincoln was a jerk this whole time. I and mean, He's still our favorite president? Interesting. Um. Yeah, the the whole thing here is... People who change their mind, that should be celebrated. I would hope that throughout your life, as you're getting new information, you grow up a little more. I mean, is your favorite, is your, what's your favorite drink right now? Is it still like a Capri Sun or Squeeze It's or Sunny Delight? Or did you grow up and get addicted to Diet Coke and coffee like everybody else? Right? I don't drink coffee, I drink Diet Coke. I learned today that coffee you can pour on trees and it makes them come back from the dead. Maybe we have to do an episode on that. Um, or it wasn't all of coffee. It was you had to be like cold coffee, or you had to spray it from a spray. But there was something with coffee where you find a dead tree, you give it some coffee, and the tree is like, oh, that feels so much better. Um, and Sunny Delight. Remember Sunny Delight? If you see a grown-up just drinking Sunny Delight, like in an airport, um, you that he should probably be arrested because they're either on their way to do something horrible, or they just got done doing something horrible. You, you grow up and you drink orange juice like everybody else, right? But as a kid, that Sunny Delight, you're like, man, it's like Kool-Aid but with acid in it. It's like burns all the way down. If you drink two glasses of Sunny, De- Sunny Delight back-to-back back, straight in a row, you take all of the lining off of your mouth and throat as it goes down. And as a kid, you're into that. And as a grown-up, you're like, man, I don't want canker sores, you know? I got to brush my teeth. I got to be at work in the morning. I got to be able to speak. Um the point is, if you yourself are not willing to change, don't get in other people's way. Quit criticizing people, quit calling, calling people a flip flopper. Um, there's no virtue in picking an idea and writing it into the sunset. There's no virtue in picking a, a sports team. You know, I'm a Mets fan. Oh good. That means you you're not smart enough to pick a different like the Mets haven't won anything since I don't know, 19, it starts with a 19, 1980 something. (coughs) Excuse me, I don't know. There's no, no, I think, virtue in being like, that's my team and I stick with my team no matter what. Well, what if the team sucks for a really long time? Well, they're still my team. Well, that's a stupid decision then. When you get new information, you should follow that information to the light. That's called learning. It's a really grown-up thing to do. It's why most grown-ups... If they're really grown-ups, they're different today than they were five years ago. Right? If you haven't seen somebody in five years and you meet them again or you run into them again and you're talking for a little while and you're like, you're exactly the same as before. Yeah, guess what? That's somebody that hopefully you go more than five years without seeing them again because they're not, they're not bringing anything to you. Anyway, so you don't have to go out looking for change just when it happens. You don't have to resist. Just let it happen. Um, I kind of got all soapboxy again there. Was there anything else you, was there something you want to end with? No. All right. All right. Well, we love you all and we'll talk to you soon.